It's uh, really good to be back with you again. Uh, when I was uh, asked to come and fill in for the original speaker who was to have come from Zambia and he couldn't make it, uh, I didn't have to uh, hesitate at all. I said, yes, I'll be there. And uh, it's good to see all of you. Now, uh, if you uh, look at your bulletin, there is an outline that uh, we are going to use for this morning. So I would encourage you to pull it out and start uh, filling in the blanks. Uh, we are going to do a crash course on demonology. Uh, usually, I don't like to focus on the devil, but uh, once in a way, it's uh, good to talk about him so that we uh, will be uh, uh, quite uh, sure about uh, who the guy is and uh, what his strategies are and how we can be equipped to handle him. I always love to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, but uh, we will do that this morning too, but we are going to take a look at our enemy, uh, the devil. I have titled it, The Darts of the Devil, or if you are using the NIV, The Flaming Arrows of the Devil. Now, there are five very basic facts that you and I need to know about the devil, so let me give them to you first of all. The first thing that we need to know about the devil is that he is dangerous. He's a guy that you and I wouldn't want to fool around with. It's like playing with fire. Uh, in fact, uh, once in a way, the police would uh, issue an alert, a warning over the radio, isn't it? So-and-so uh, is on the loose. So-and-so uh, is armed and dangerous. If you spot this particular person, don't go anywhere near him. Just call us and we will come and deal with him. And that's the approach we need to take with regard to the devil. He's armed and dangerous. He has got a well-organized army. And left to ourselves, we are no match for him. And we should quickly call the Lord Jesus to come and deal with him. The second thing that we can learn about the devil from the word of God is that he is diabolical. He is diabolical. Meaning, he is very shrewd, clever, and cunning. And by the way, he has plenty of experience uh, he was uh, one of God's original uh, creative acts as Lucifer, who became later the devil. Uh, if the earth is 6,000 years old, then the devil has 6,000 years of experience. So he's a very experienced guy. He is the sinister minister of evil. He is diabolical. <coughs> the third thing we can say about the devil is that he is determined. He is determined. The devil doesn't easily give up on any person. Uh, I don't know whether the devil gets discouraged, but uh, he doesn't give up easily. Uh, if one method didn't work, he will try another method, and he will keep coming at you and coming at me from different angles. And he has only one agenda for you and for me. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So what does the devil want to do? He wants to bring us down. He wants to give us a knockout punch. He wants to give us a Mike Tyson. And he wants to wipe us off the face of the earth. <laughs> Some of you don't know who Mike Tyson is. Uh, that's a blessing in disguise. Uh, <laughs> so the devil is determined. He won't quit on you. 
The fourth thing, and now we come to the good news. Those first three uh, facts were very negative, isn't it? Very uh, despairing kind of uh, statements. But here we now turn the corner. The devil is defeated and he is defanged. Praise God at the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ defeated the powers of darkness. The empty tomb is proof that the Lord Jesus Christ has triumphed over sin and the devil. And uh, we don't have to fear the devil as a result. One of the things uh, I used to love to do when I visit a zoo, and back in my home country, we have a wonderful zoo. I always love to go to the reptile section. And I love to watch these huge snakes from a safe distance. And uh, in fact, I'm told that you could actually reach out and touch those snakes and they can't harm you. Why? They have been defanged. They may look hideous, they may look terrible, but they can't inflict any damage on you because they have been defanged. And that's how I like to look at the devil. He's a monster. He uh, is terrible to look at. <laughs> but he's a toothless lion. The Lord Jesus knocked all his tooth off at the cross. Right? Now, if you guys were a nice Pentecostal church, there would have been a resounding, Amen, praise the Lord. Uh, but you settle for a laugh, and I'll take it. Uh, you know, that's the beauty of going to different churches to minister. Uh, when you enter into a Baptist setup, you can kind of feel the freeze. But uh, when you go to a... When you, when you walk through the doors of a Pentecostal church, you start sweating before you come to the pulpit. And uh, you go to a Salvation Army church, the trumpet and the drums burst your eardrums. So it's a wonderful experience going to the different churches. Okay? So once in a way, I'll recommend that you leave the safety of the walls of the Baptist church and uh, venture in faith to another church uh, just to get an experience of what it's like. Right? So the devil is defeated and he is defanged, so therefore we don't have to fear him. The fifth fact about the devil is also good news. He is doomed. His destiny is the lake of fire. The Lord Jesus Christ said that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, today, technically speaking, the devil is not in hell. For reasons known only to God, the Lord has allowed him to roam around, and, uh, but he is like a dog on a leash. And he can only do anything under God's permission and supervision. The Lord is sovereign, and the Lord controls the powers of darkness. And so even when evil, bad, negative things happen to us, we know that it's happening under the permissive will of God. And one day there is going to come the good news that the devil is going to be once and for all thrown into the lake of fire and that's it. Kaput. Finished. So, five facts about the devil. Armed and dangerous, diabolical, sinister minister of evil, determined, defeated and defanged, and he is doomed. Uh, this is not original with me, but one preacher said, when the devil reminds you of your past, and he will keep doing that from time to time, because all of us have a past, remind him of his future, and he will take off. 
he will take off. Now, I want to explore with you 10 very successful arrows of the devil. In the 30 plus years of ministry that I've been involved in, I have seen this, these 10 uh, darts to be very effective in his armory. So we are going to explore them one by one. And as we look at it, I want you to try and identify with what dart is working in your life right now. I can guarantee to you that there is more than one uh, dart that is at work in your life today. There are several that are at work in my life right now. So I need to be uh, honest with you. Here we go. Number one, the dart of doubt. The dart of doubt. This is a dart that the devil used in the Garden of Eden, a perfect environment. He used it on two perfect people, Adam and Eve. He injected doubt into the mind of Eve. Has God really spoken? Can what God has said be trusted? Uh, does God really mean what he says? Those were the kind of uh, thoughts that the devil injected into the mind of Eve. And unfortunately, Eve listened to the devil and she succumbed to that temptation. And together with her husband, Adam, she plunged the whole human race into sin. And so, beloved, the dart that was used in the Garden of Eden is used even today. You would all remember Thomas. You're going to think about him next month. And we call him what? Doubting Thomas. Because he doubted the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, perhaps this morning, because of the circumstances that you're going through in your personal life, maybe you're doubting God's love. In light of all what is happening to you, you may be doubting God's love. Or you may be doubting God's power. God is unable to help. In fact, Rabbi Kushner wrote a whole book based on that one premise when his son died of an illness. And he basically said, if God is there, he is powerless, he is weak, he cannot help. And so those are the kind of thoughts that the devil would love to inject into our minds and we need to be vigilant. We need to be vigilant. We need to go back to the word of God and we need to counter those doubts with the truths of scripture and we need to put to flight the powers of darkness. So the dart of doubt. The second dart uh, that I want you to consider is the dart of deception. The dart of deception. Now, if the devil cannot succeed in getting you to undermine the authority and the integrity of scripture, he goes to the next step. He will misquote scripture and he will misinterpret scripture. So that's why we have so much of wrong teaching around us. And in fact, uh, the apostle Paul warned us that in the last days, there are going to be the doctrine of demons, the teachings of demons. And we need to be very vigilant. Uh, we have a church plant in Mississauga, and uh, I do go to minister there from time to time. And there is a man who comes for that meeting, 80 years old, very sharp mind. 
He would listen very carefully to every message. <laughs> but the problem is, as soon as the message is finished, he would come and challenge and contradict everything that you say. Totally deceived. And every time I see him, I begin to sweat. I try to look for another pastor. If Pastor Rick is around, I would have sent him to Pastor Rick. And uh, on one occasion, I got so frustrated, I told this person, I said, look, if you keep rejecting the truth of God's word, and if you keep twisting it, and if you keep misinterpreting it, the Bible says you're going to end up in hell. I put it as bluntly as I could. <laughs> and he looked at me very cool and calm, and he said, I'm prepared for that destiny. What do you say to a person like that? Here is a man with one foot in the grave and not concerned about his eternal destiny in heaven. He's prepared to go to hell with all his deception. You know another area where Christians have been severely deceived today? It's in the realm of yoga. I don't want to go on a, a rabbit trail here, but at Mission Fest, I'm going to do a whole seminar on that subject. And if you are really struggling with that issue, I would encourage you to attend. Nine out of ten Christians don't even know the meaning of yoga. Hey, go to dictionary.com, it will tell you what yoga is all about. And so I leave it hanging in the air for you. The, the, the dart of deception. The third dart, and this I believe is one of the most effective darts of the devil... The devil on one occasion, it is said, had an auction. You know, he had a garage sale. <laughs> and uh, come spring, you'll have it here too, right? Interesting, people from Toronto love to come to Oshawa because they think they get a better deal here. I don't know whether that's true. <laughs> but uh, now with the gas prices down, uh, they don't mind coming. Uh, so, on this table were spread all the tools that the devil has used to bring down people and there was this one particular tool that was so old and so worn out and so coming to pieces, it is ready for the junkyard. But as people walked by, they noticed that this was the most highly priced item on the devil's auction block. So somebody plucked up courage and said, Mr. Devil, sir, why is this worn out on the verge of coming apart instrument so, so expensive. And the devil stroked his little beard and he kind of gave a, that uh, eerie laugh and he said, this is my most effective tool. <laughs> and somebody else said, sir, what do you call that tool? And the devil said, discouragement. So the third dart that the devil uses is the dart of discouragement. If you are not discouraged about something this morning, I think you are lying. I have many areas of discouragement in my life right now as I stand to speak. For example, you can be discouraged about a sin issue in your life. This sin just won't go away. It is like seaweed. It has wrapped itself around your feet and it is just tripping you up every time. You confess, and then you come right back and commit it again. I mean, that's discouraging, isn't it? A sin issue in your life. Or you could be severely discouraged about ministry. You have attempted to do something for the Lord, 
and you have run into a brick wall and nothing seems to be working. You know, for me, uh, the place where I experience discouragement the most is in the prison. Every Friday I go to visit the Toronto East Detention Center. Right now I am spending time with seven guys, seven different guys who have committed murder. And one of them actually killed two ladies. And you know something? This guy knows his Bible inside out. If you start a verse, he will finish it for you. All from memory. And I walk away shaking my head. I mean, there's a problem here. You know your Bible so well, and you've committed two horrible murders, and you have no sense of regret or repentance over it. So discouraging every time you go to visit a guy like that. Tonight I'm going to visit a home and we are going to have a prayer time and the guy attended a large church in Toronto up to his neck in ministry, youth ministry and then he got involved in certain crimes and tomorrow he's going to face a sentencing. I spent a whole year, year with him and his wife every Friday uh, counseling, teaching the word, getting him back on track. But tonight has got to be a very discouraging night for me. Going to pray over a guy who is going to get a prison term tomorrow morning. So beloved, the dart of discouragement is very real. Maybe you are discouraged this morning about your prayer life. You are praying over people, you are praying over situations and nothing seems to be changing. In fact, things seem to be going from bad to worse. And you throw up your hands and say, what's the point praying? Nothing is happening. You know, you're in good company when you're discouraged. Elijah is one of my favorite Old Testament characters. There was a moment in Elijah's life when he felt all alone, when he saw himself as a failure, and he even had suicidal thoughts. He was terribly discouraged. <laughs> and you know what the Lord did? He said, Elijah, my son, go to sleep. Some of you love to hear that magic word, especially at sermon time, go to sleep. <laughs> right? And then, an angel came from heaven with a fresh angel cake from the oven of heaven and said, Elijah, eat. That's another magic word for us, isn't it? Eat and sleep. Wow, what a combo. <laughs> eat and sleep. And that's how the Lord restored Elijah. And by the way, it's, a not, it's not a bad idea to get sleep. In fact, my uh, accountability partner, Dr. Timothy Quick, constantly will ask me that question. Tell me about your sleeping habits. Because sometimes we can be so involved in ministry, we can be on the verge of burnout and not even know it. And so we need to take good care of our bodies. Give it good sleep. And can I use the hated word now? You give me permission? I won't spoil your lunch exercise, exercise, every day I walk for 45 minutes and uh, one of the guys I disciple, bless his dear heart, he gave me some weights and he said carry the weights while you walk, so now people take a second look at me, they adjust their glasses and look at me when they see me walking with these weights, so one lady asked me what is that you are carrying, I said anyone who comes to attack me they'll feel the weight of this. <laughs> So the dart of doubt, the dart of deception, 
the dart of discouragement. Number four, the dart of disobedience. The dart of disobedience. So if the devil has failed in the first three, he will say, okay, 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 so God has told you to do this. <laughs> and he will bring up two suggestions. Number one, the devil will say, don't do it now. Wait for a better day. Delayed obedience. Delayed obedience. You know one uh, key word in the Bible? The key word is now. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. The KJV uses the word today. Today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. The Bible says today. But the devil's magic word is tomorrow. And tomorrow never comes for many of us. So when God speaks, beloved, we must act immediately. Don't put off for tomorrow what you know and I know that should be done today. Delayed obedience. But there's another tactic the devil uses with regard to obedience, and that's partial obedience. Or if you like another word, selective obedience. Basically, what the devil says is, don't go all the way. <laughs> don't go all the way. Don't be labeled as a fanatic. He plays this very well with young people. I mean, don't let your friends at school or university think that you're a fanatic. It's okay to be a fanatic about baseball or basketball or cricket. But uh, don't be fanatic about God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible. Right? Selective obedience. Uh, I am told that you have a Mandarin here in Oshawa. <laughs> Praise God. Now, when you go to Mandarin, you notice that you have all these food items, 10 different types of ice cream, and obvious you and I cannot eat all that. So what do you do? You've got to be selective. So you take your plate and you say, no, 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 that's not good for me. Plenty of grease. No way I'm touching it. And you go here, you pull something here. You like all those huge big prawns? Heavy duty cholesterol. I was once at a wedding reception and this dear Indian lady bless her heart, she had covered a whole plate with these juicy prawns. Whole plate. I mean, like putting rice on a plate, she had put all these prawns. So when I was walking past her, I said, cholesterol, and I walked off. <laughs> and half an hour later, when I was passing by the same table, the plate was untouched. There was this ashen white look on her face. And she couldn't bring herself to eating those prawns. Now, I don't know whether she blessed me or what she did, but <laughs> I saved her from an early grave. <laughs> so the dart of uh, disobedience is something that we need to watch. Obedience is costly, yes, but disobedience is far more costlier. I love what the Lord Jesus told the servants. Uh, told Mary to tell the servants. And this is what Mary said, John 2, 5. Whatever he says to you, do it! And do it now! Do it instantly. Dart number five is the dart of defection. The dart of defection. This is the temptation to walk away from God. One character in the Bible that always distresses me is the man Demas. Demas was no ordinary guy. Demas was special. 
because uh, Paul took him into his confidence. Paul mentored him, and uh, Demas was a close associate of Paul, went on his uh, mission trips and preached the word, but there came a defining moment in Demas' life when the lure of the world proved too much for him, and he said goodbye to God, goodbye to the gospel, goodbye to Paul, and goodbye to ministry, and the world took him over. And beloved, there are many casualties in the Christian church. I wish I could say that all of you are going to breast the tape of life faithfully living for God, but that would not be a reality. There are far too many casualties. And so we need to watch the dart of defection. And especially when we go through bad experiences in life, when we go through personal hurt in our life, it's very easy to walk away from God, to stray from the safety of God's fold. Dart number six is the dart of division. The dart of division. God loves to unite. The devil loves to divide. The devil loves to divide families. The basic unit of society. Look at what is happening to the family today. The mess that we are in. I mean, we are even redefining the family today. Redefining the family. So the devil is succeeding big time. And of course, the devil loves to divide God's family, the church. When the early church was growing over a minor detail, there seemed to be the possibility that the church would divide and disintegrate. Because one group felt that they were being neglected. And they started murmuring and complaining. And very wisely, the apostles uh, discerned the threat that there was to division and disintegration. And they dealt with the problem immediately. And what began in the early church continues to this day. The Corinthian church was divided over leaders. The people began to polarize around different leaders. And today we divide over personality issues. Today we divide over methodology. Uh, we divide, uh, of course, if it is a doctrinal issue, it has got to be dealt with. Doctrinal issues are very serious. But... Uh, the first sign of division, we need to realize the devil is at work and we need to take our stand against the powers of darkness. And then number seven is the dart of discontentment. The dart of discontentment. We are living in a culture of greed. And what's the magic word in the culture of greed? More! They once asked a millionaire what it would uh, take to make him a little bit more happy. <laughs> and the millionaire replied, a little bit more money. And uh, that's how we feel too, isn't it? Oh, if only just I wish I had a little bit more stuff. I only wish if my pockets were more full, I'll be more happy. You know, John Piper made a remarkable statement. Today, when we think of glorifying God, we think of... Uh, Worship, we think of uh, serving God, we think of giving. But look at what John Piper said. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. What a remarkable statement. God is most glorified when you and I are more satisfied in him. 
So what does it take to satisfy you? God plus fill in the blank. If that's what describes your life and my life, then we have fallen victim to the dart of discontentment. That is why the Apostle Paul wrote, contentment with godliness is great gain. And again, what a combination. Contentment with godliness is great gain. And so, beloved, we should never cave in to the dart of discontentment. Number eight is the dart of denial. The dart of denial. And again, it's very easy for me to say, oh, the denial of God. Now, God forbid that it should ever happen to any one of us where we deny God. But the reality exists that we can live as practical atheists. We can say yes to God intellectually, but in our day-to-day -day living, we can live as if though God doesn't exist. We can sideline God in our life. We can marginalize God in our life. Instead of letting the Lord be at the center of our life, we can push him to the circumference and we can very politely tell the Lord, stay there, Lord, and mind your own business, please. Don't interfere in my life. And there are many Christians who have denied the Lord in that way. But there is another area of denial that I would like to mention, and that is the denial of personal need in our life. Admitting to my sin and to my weakness is always the pathway to blessing, isn't it? But the devil wants us to uh, feel self-satisfied. He wants us to feel self-righteous. He wants us to be hypocritical, pretending that everything is okay when it is not. I personally believe that uh, the biggest lies are said as people leave the church after a service. So someone walks up to you and says, uh, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Deep down you are hurting. And yet we are accustomed to this word fine, isn't it? How wonderful if we can be honest and say, no, I'm not doing too good today. I'm hurting. I'm suffering. I have pain in my heart. I'm living a lie. I have sinned. You know, I have uh, tried to help out a few uh, alcoholics. <laughs> and the first step is what? You've got to admit that you have a problem and that you are powerless to do anything about it. That's when help can be given to you. But when we don't admit that we have a problem, then we have fallen victim to the dart of uh, denial. Uh, by the way, uh, in case you are thinking that everything is fine with your life, I just like to give you a little uh, test. You are ready for this test? Ask the person closest to you what they think about your life. If you are a husband, on your way home today, ask your wife, honey, do you think my life is all under control? Now, wives are gracious, so they, in order to please you, may say, oh, honey, everything is okay. Ask your children. And be ready with blank sheets of paper because they'll give you a pile of answers. <laughs> they were only waiting for the opening. Whenever I uh, uh, deal with our young people, that's, all, that's the thing that I always say. If your parents come and ask you about their personal life, we are waiting for that day. We are praying for it. So, a good way of checking whether you're doing okay is to ask the people closest to you what they think about you, okay? Because you can't hide anything from those who are closest to you. No way. Now, number nine 
is the dart of defilement. The dart of defilement. The devil loves to pollute us and to stain us and to scar us and to mar our character and to mar our reputation. And how does that happen? Through the eye gate, through the ear gate, through the lip gate, through the heart gate, through the feet gate, what you see, what you read, the places you go to, the music you listen to, the friends that you keep company with, they all are instruments used by the powers of darkness in order to defile us. And the one thing that we must constantly be vigilant about is that we should let nothing pollute us, to pollute our thinking and to pollute our spiritual life. Without holiness, the Bible says, no man shall ever see the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they and they alone shall keep gazing at God. The Sermon on the Mount, the dart of defilement. And then number 10 is the dart of distraction or detour. The dart of distraction or detour. And the example I like to use for this is Martha. Martha is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I love Martha. Where would we men be if not for Martha? What an amazing gift of hospitality. <laughs> 13 hungry men show up at her door and instead of directing them to Swiss Chalet, she said, please come on in. And she runs to the kitchen to start preparing a meal. I mean, what a heart. I don't kind of uh, like the preachers who bash Martha. I'm not a Martha basher. I love Martha. If Martha was around here today, I would say, Martha, please uh, keep preparing those great meals. Martha, please keep improving on your cooking skills. But when the Lord shows up, Martha, just give him a little bit of your time. Sit at his feet, listen first, and then go cook, and you'll, the meal will be even more wonderful. Right? But like Martha, we can get distracted from the main goal. We can all lose our focus and vision. You know, for me, the most difficult thing in my life right now is what? Learning to say no. Because there are so many demands that are made on your life. So many challenges that come your way. And if you don't know what your main goal is, if you don't know what your priorities are, very easy to say yes to everything. And then you end up doing nothing. You thin yourself out. So, I was telling our young people yesterday, <laughs> what's the dream that God has given you? I'm not talking of the dreams you have after you eat too many pizzas. But this is a dream where you really go before God and say, God, for this year, 2009, Lord, what do you want to do through my life? Please reveal it to me. What impact can I make? What difference can I make? What's your dream? It's not just limited to the young people. It's for all of us. What's your dream? What's your passion? What causes your heart to tick? What causes excitement to pour in your blood? For me, one of my big dreams for 2009 is to train evangelists. And right now, I have just completed an eight-week course training 15 potential evangelists teaching them and releasing them to the field. Go fish for God. And so that's a big dream that God has given me. What's your dream? So on your way out, you can whisper your dream to me. Okay? But the devil will come and attack that dream. 
He would love to sidestep you. He would love to take you on a rabbit trail. He would love to get you preoccupied with lesser stuff. We need to go right back to the main agenda for our life. So this is not an exhaustive list, but I'm sure that you will find yourself somewhere in this list of 10. In fact, in more than one area, I'm sure. Now, I like to end on a positive note. How do we gain the victory? How do we gain the victory? So let me give you four suggestions. Number one, rely on God's power. Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But now look at the wording underneath that. Appropriate God's power daily, underscore, underscore the word daily, through prayer. You know the, the armor passage, Ephesians 6.18 is all about prayer. Verses 19 and 20 is also about prayer where the Apostle Paul is pleading with the Ephesian church to pray for him, that boldness will be given to him to proclaim the gospel. Beloved, the only way we tap into the power of God is through prayer. If you are not bending your knee before God in prayer, you are going to remain in a state of perpetual weakness. You will not be able to ward off the powers of darkness. The inner man is strengthened to the degree that we seek the, fa we seek the face of God through prayer. What is prayer? Dependence upon God. Uh, my ministry leader in Hamilton, wonderful man and a wonderful wife. <laughs> he talks to his wife uh, about his problems. And you know what his wife tells him? The reason all these problems are there is because you have not bent your knee. So he calls me every morning at 7 o'clock, accountability time. And he kind of cried and said, my wife said this, I tried to gain some sympathy, and she said, bend the knee, what do you say? I said, I won't override your wife. Bend the knee. The phone went dead. And this morning, beloved, that's the word of God to our hearts. Go before God. Have your personal prayer times. Do you have a prayer life? Are you part of a prayer fellowship? Every Tuesday morning, I meet with a group of senior men, and we pray. We confess our needs to each other, our faults to each other. We pray over each other, and that's where we get the strength, the power to live for God and to ward off the powers of darkness. And you know, that group, most of the men are in their 80s, and when it comes to prayer, they all literally kneel. In spite of all their physical handicaps, they literally kneel, and for 40 minutes, we are on our knees before God in prayer. Now, the second uh, key for victory, resist the devil. <laughs> Don't give in to him. Resist the devil. Confront his lies with God's truth. So what are some of the lies of the devil that you will hear on a day-to-day -day basis? If it feels good, do it. You can get right with God two years later. Eat, drink, and be merry, because that's the stuff that life is made up of. The purpose of life is your personal happiness. Purpose of life is not happiness. Purpose of life is holiness. And if we pursue holiness, happiness is a byproduct. Happiness is a byproduct. 
So, beloved, you need to be diligent students of Scripture, and I know that this church is committed to the authority of Scripture and the teaching of the Word of God. Be soaked and saturated with the Word of God and be discerning that when you hear the lies of the devil, you are able to counter-attack with the truth of Scripture. That's how the Lord Jesus Christ won, and that's how you and I are going to win the battle against the powers of darkness. Resist the devil. And then thirdly, renounce all sin. Run from sin. Uh, I always say that whenever a person becomes a Christian, I give them a gift. You'll be surprised at the gift that I give them. It's not the Bible. I buy them a brand new pair of Nike running shoes. Guys, you have said yes to Christ. The devil is going to be after you. You need to know how to run. You need to know how to run like Donovan Bailey. Run from sin. So have you got a pair of Nike running shoes? Sunday shops are open so you can pick one up on your way home. Because the devil won't wait till Monday. And then number four, receive God's armor. Put it on! Day by day, put on the armor of God. And so, some of you are asking the question, how do we do that? The second handout in your bulletin. It's a two-sided prayer. This is a prayer put out by Dr. Charles Stanley, a name well known to virtually all of you. One of the most excellent prayers that I have come uh, come across in terms of uh, putting the armor on. Please don't lose this sheet. Don't let it end up in your dog's tummy. Hang on to it for dear life, right? And from time to time, just pull it out and pray it over for yourself. Pray it out loud. Pray it out loud. Devil can't read your mind, but he can hear you. So pray it out loud. Pray it out together with your family when you do family devotions when you do family devotions. And I can, I can guarantee to you, when you put on the whole armor of God, piece by piece, through prayer, you're going to be well equipped to withstand all the attacks of the evil one. So may the Lord give us grace to be victorious in the battle against the powers of darkness. Amen.